I'm Ryan Christian. This is Moving Target. Thank you for joining me today. I've got a special guest to go into some excellent research. I've been really looking forward to this talk, and it, it kind of feels like the world's trying to stop us from getting together today, especially on Twitter. But there's been some really great threads put together by an account called Champagne Joshy. His name is Josh Wilkos, and I wanted to invite him on today to discuss the work that he's been doing, how he got into these Twitter threads or the Twitter account in general that's become reasonably prominent, and really maybe just opinions on Twitter and all the madness going on, COVID-19 and whatever else we get into today. So, Josh, how are you? Thank you for joining me. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, it is funny, though. We've been technical issues. Twitter goes down. It's everything in the world seems to be converging to stop us from talking. But I feel like I'm sure a lot of people feel that way today. A lot of technological issues. It's those so, tech gremlins. Yeah, yeah, which are everywhere. <laughs> <it seems. laughs> I, I want I want to talk about your perceptions on Twitter, but let, let's start off with just you in general and, you know, whatever you know, whatever you want to get into for you know why you got into this, what you've done in the past and, you know, what sure. really started you on these threads which i do think are really well done like really really thorough really interesting information i mean it was really uh well first of all the threads wouldn't even be allowed on twitter if this was a year ago right so i've always kind of had these in my back pocket just kind of doing research you know doing and saving everything that i've been researching over the last few years with COVID, especially and then once elon had purchased twitter i thought hey maybe this might be a time to actually start doing something with this and the, the idea behind it is, you know, if you go to my page, you'll see that I have it pinned where it basically just has what I consider a lot of myths around the COVID thing. Uh, so basically lockdowns, the, the, you know, the vaccines, uh, the approvals for children. There's there's a, quite a litany there. But I just kind of wanted to go down one by one and do extensive threads with the research and just say, hey, what you've been told is not really actually the case. And I'll show you the evidence here. And I've been super surprised by the uh, the feedback that I've been getting on it. And you know, I'm sitting here on your show and I've been listening to you for years. So uh, doing something good, I think. Absolutely. I, I mean, really, truly, the, the work is, is well done. And, and, you know, the threads connecting, the points are very clear. So so really, you know, what what was the so it sounds like you've had these compiled. So in the mm-hmm. general sense right there, why were you organizing them? Is this something just because you cared or? Kind of, oh, I had a mind towards this eventually, but I knew if I started posting things just because of the climate on Twitter that it was going to end up being uh, basically taken off of Twitter. So I wanted yeah. to wait until the time was right. Unfortunately, you know, with censorship, it would have been better to have been able to do this in real time as all these events were unfolding. But, you know, I just I, I compiled all this research, saving it, saving it, saving it with a mind towards eventually, hopefully whenever this cloud of censorship uh, lifted to be able to actually get on there in in in, in kind of just express myself that way without having to fear of it being pulled. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've always been, I've always been in, into, into research, you know, ever since basically nine 11, you know, I've mm-hmm. been, uh, you know, compiling research, trying to understand what's going on and, and, and just keeping it for myself. But I figured I might as well share this with the world because uh, I was surprised that a lot of people didn't know these things. You know, you kind of, when you were in your own little, your own little research bubble, you kind of start thinking, oh, other people already know this, you know what I mean? But when you put it out there to the world, the response is like, wow, like, you know, I thought these were things that were common knowledge, but it, it's not necessarily true. That's a trap I fall into every day. I, I get into my discussions and I'm like realizing I'm explaining something that it's, I, I think it's common knowledge because I've been talking about it for mm-hmm. two years. But yeah, you know, you find that it's more often than not, people are, you know, it, people are very thirsty for just honest, engaged, objective research. And there's a reason for it because we're all becoming very aware of how much we're being manipulated, like in a really constant ubiquitous way. Oh, yeah. So before, before we get into like the Twitter perceptions right now, how, when, when you've had a Twitter account for quite a while, right? Before COVID-19, 
what, yeah, 2011, you, I think. Yeah. Did you experience any censorship before these, before you got in, you know, the, the COVID-19 era? Or was there any censorship for your account before that? Before the COVID-19 era? No, not really. Not that I can think of other than me maybe making some some mean comments and getting kicked off or something. But right. other than that, as far as content wise, I, I'd never experienced any censorship. Um, yeah. But I knew for a fact during COVID, just being on Twitter and watching people drop mm-hmm. like flies on a daily basis just for posting really, you would think, benign things, quoting something the CDC said or something like that or getting kicked off. Um, I just knew it wasn't the time to, to pull the trigger on, on, on the research that I was, I was actually doing yet and, and right. letting everybody see it. Yeah, I mean, and, and you're right, too. I mean, definitely we can see that the climate was not right at the moment in, in regard to like, but see, I, I would still argue that it, it's good that you kept the information and you were ready to present it. You know, the, but one of the things that we do know is kind of a detriment in the, in the same mm-hmm. way. And it, it's a choice that we all have to make in that moment. And I've argued many times, I don't even know which is the better or right path is that when you, when we don't put it out, obviously people don't get it and they're hurt because of that. But then when you put it out, of course it could be manipulated. The problem is that they create these self-censoring circles where we hide the information from ourselves to a degree, you know, but I, since you bring this up, I wanted to play this clip. Just, I just happened to think about this. It just was playing. And I want your thoughts on this. It's an interesting clip okay. um, dur- during this, this session in regard to the censorship. I was just playing a clip of the, you Roth part of this. Here's a, a member of Congress responding and then we can talk about it. Another example of what Twitter has done to censor folks is uh, from Dr. Martin Koldorf, a Harvard educated epidemiologist who once tweeted COVID vaccines are important for high-risk people and their caretakers. Those with prior natural infection do not need it, nor children. The Twitter files reveal this tweet was deemed false information because it ran contrary to the CDC. So my first question this morning of Ms. Gaddy, may I ask of you, where did you go to medical school? I did not go to medical school. I'm sorry? I did not go to medical school. That's what I thought. Why do you think you or anyone else at Twitter had the medical expertise to censor a doctor's expert opinion? Our policies regarding COVID were designed to protect individuals. We were seeing... You guys censored Harvard-educated doctors, Stanford-educated doctors, doctors that are educated in the best places in the world, and you silenced those voices... So just your thoughts in general first. It's, you know, I'm, I'm actually shocked to see that even, even in a congressional <laughs> setting, even with the way the Republican mindset is today, I'm actually surprised that that was aired out. So what are your thoughts I, on that? I, I, I'm, I'm like you. I'm surprised that it was aired out, but I'm not surprised that, you know, that that, that was going on. You know, mm-hmm. we, like you said, you can see it every single day. Um, I think a lot of people aren't aware of the length at which the government will go to censor people and not stay with the narrative. And, we, and the Twitter files, I think are a bit of a limited hangout. They're, they're just kind of being dripped out there um, mm-hmm. with, with handpicked journalists. And some of them are good journalists. I'm not knocking them in that way, but they're only allowing us to see what they want us to see. And mm-hmm. that builds a particular narrative. But I, I'm positive that there's much more depth to this. And there's something like, you know, you've heard of fifth generation warfare. And I think that's something that I've been really looking into lately. And I'm writing a piece on it right now, just because I think the extent of it is not really known as far as the manipulation goes. I know um, you probably heard about this Newsweek article that was written a couple of years ago. I think Jason Burmis covered it pretty well. And he's one of the only people who did where they have a signature reduction army, the, the military, where they have 60,000 mm-hmm. undercover clandestine uh, individuals, uh, not only foreign, but the important piece is domestic. And they can, they're cyber and they're also in real life within organizations. 
uh, I think that's something that we really have to take into consideration when we're talking about what we're perceiving, what the censorship is all about. And we're just at the tip of the iceberg. There's so much, there's, there's a censorship infrastructure being built right now. Um, this is something that you were aware of, but a lot of people, it's just happening right under their nose. And, right. and, and what we just saw there is just, just a very small piece of what I think is actually going on. Um, in, in trying to understand this fifth generation warfare is, is, is like very important in my mind in order to really get at what, the truth of what's happening. Mm-hmm. I wholeheartedly agree. And I'm looking forward to, to whatever you put out on that. It's, it's an mm-hmm. interesting and important topic that doesn't get enough coverage. But it's, I'm, I'm glad you picked up on the, the Twitter files mentioned there. It's interesting to me because first, first point, it's obviously I'm glad that's happening. Regardless of the intentions of the person saying it, it's important to point this obvious surface level reality out. Mm-hmm. How dare you think you can stand there as a Twitter employee and argue that you know better than these experts? Now, that doesn't mean that they're right. But you just don't have the standing to act like, you know, the point is it was about politics and we all know that. Right. And the interesting point you made, even in your comment, is that we did all know that that was happening because it was clear. So what is it exactly that Twitter files revealed about this process? Like, yes, we get the screenshot of the text. So I just think it's really just a hypothetical. Like, I don't know if we can answer the question, but I think that Mm. what her pointing it out as if that is why we know this. That's a member, a sitting member of Congress who is discussing screenshots. As if it mm-hmm. proves something. And that's really unnerving to me. And I think that's part of it. But what I was going to say is she's saying that she's doing this to protect us, right? Or it's always about safety. But what she fails to mention and what the Twitter files have revealed, they're doing this at the behest of the government, essentially a proxy of the government. Right. And we know that we have the First Amendment and it's illegal for the government to stop any speech if it's opinion or anything, unless it's something akin to like, you know, screaming fire in a crowded theater. So that's the key piece I think we're missing is that these these companies are being strong armed by the government in order to censor on behalf of the government, which is completely illegal. It's unconstitutional. Absolutely. Right. And that's the biggest problem here is that I think the American people are beginning to see, you know, the real outlines of what this is. And it's shockingly larger than we ever thought that it's not just the government. You know, it's the regulatory agencies. It's the lobbyists. It's the you know, it just keeps going. And the, it, it begins. I mean, it is insurmountable, you know, and this is mm-hmm. why it's so important that people like us are continuing to push past this. And and interestingly enough, having such an effect that they have to try to push back and shut us down. And that's why it's kind of a you know, it, it is an it is a positive moment, despite it can feel insurmountable because we are having an effect that i've never seen before and this brings us to you know the work you're doing and i think it's it's really important one to point out how much engage- i mean you can see right here two hundred twenty-two thousand views you know mm-hmm. and and so the, people are thirsty for it, it doesn't even mean that people necessarily are all it like for objective coverage of something like the point being is it doesn't always mean that somebody may have the exact truth of something but people are very very thirsty for people that are doing the kind of research that gives them the tools to come to their own conclusions and think about this stuff. And so what, you have many great threads. We could talk about a lot of them today, but we're going to focus on what, you, what the, the primary ones. This was one about the, as you wrote, the case of excess death. So mm-hmm. go, in, go into that for me and let me know like, what, what the thread was about, what you found, what, you know, what, and why you decided to start looking into this. Well, I mean, because something that wasn't being spoken about still isn't being spoken about in the media is the excess deaths that we're experiencing here in America and also mm-hmm. in like the UK and in Ireland and Scotland as well. It's not necessarily all over the world, but that seems to start. It's starting to seem like that as well. But yeah. um, the amount of excess deaths that we've had is akin to 
a, a gigantic war and it's been within 12 months and there's not a peep in the media. So what, what I started thinking about is like, well, when we dive into the timeline of what happened with COVID over the last couple of years, you know, uh, the different rollouts of the vaccines and the boosters and different ca- uh, countermeasures that they were doing as far as the lockdowns. And what I, what I found, and I was just using our world and data, which is, you know, accessible to anybody. But what mm-hmm. I found, if you go through the, t- the thread and you match it up with the timeline is that you do see some peak and valleys that correlate with a lot of the government actions and a lot of the things that were rolled out you know a lot of people would would say that this was a particular one might be due to delta coming out or things like that but once you get past a certain time frame you can't make that excuse and that's really what i'm focusing on is the more recent upsurge in in uh in excess deaths there's no other um you know it's a combination i think of the vaccines in my opinion, and mm-hmm. also some of the policies that have been, has been rolled out by the government. And I think that's clear as day to a lot of people, but I thought right. putting it out in this thread and kind of giving a visual and also comparing it to the timeline, it, start, it made a lot of sense to a lot of people, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it hadn't really been done as far as I'm aware, laying out in that kind of that manner. It's not, it's not scientific, but it's just the way to kind of present the, the information in, in a new way. Well, you know, you know, what's interesting about it, though, is that a lot, a lot of the most, you know, relevant and important stuff today is not, you know, some PhD level research. It's just it's people. It's because there's so many people at that level that are so in so intertwined with the very system that's doing this, that they're either unwill, unable or seemingly unwilling because their paycheck makes them unwilling to look mm-hmm. at this stuff. So there's a lot of people like us out here that just we're like. It's it's right there on the surface and nobody's even saying it, you know, and so it just takes the person with the courage like you're doing to stand up and just put it together. And I think the correlation is what you're doing. There's very important because you can't miss. This is like I keep pointing out with the with the injection is that they admit so it can cause myocarditis, let's say. Mm -hmm. And then where there's an example of myocarditis, somebody like me will be like, well, it could be the vaccine. And you just get shut down like, no, fake news, dangerous. You're, and it's like, but how is how do those two things even make sense? If you're telling me it can, but then denying that it's possible when it happens, it just shows you that there's an obvious huge block right there. And that's what I think your correlations are pointing out is that they're unwilling to consider, could it have been our actions that caused this or that? Or could it have been the vaccine that caused that spike and not the fact that we were fighting? So it's very, very telling when you start to dive into this stuff. The fact that they're not willing to consider the one variable that should be considered that has been used worldwide over billions of people, it it tells you everything that you need to know, right? I mean, why would you consider the foreign novel technology that was injected in everybody's body all over the world as a possible cause for the excess deaths and the uptick in heart attacks in young people? There's videos that you played on your show of athletes just dropping dead, Right in the middle of a game, there's thousands of more more people have dropped dead it, during athletic events who shouldn't be doing be dropping dead in the last couple of years than had in the previous thirty years. It, it's just right. mind boggling me that people are willing to put their head in the sand, but it is for self preservation. You know, uh, when I bring this up to people in my circle, you know, it's, it's, it's what you'd, you'd expect. Oh, it's kind of conspiracy, you know, uh, right. whatever. You know, but it, it, there doesn't need to be an explicit ex- uh, a conspiracy between the government and, and the healthcare workers and everything. It's something that's unsaid because they have self-preservation in mind for their jobs, their families. You know, they, they don't want to, you know, kick over 
you know, they don't want to kick over the wheelbarrow so they can cause a big fuss and be a focus and, and, and cause problems for anybody. So they just go along to get along. It's, it's, we've seen mm-hmm. this happening throughout history forever. It's not something new. That's an interesting point you made there that made me. So I agree with you that it doesn't have to be the way that the general person might perceive a, like conspiracy theory and the way it's presented by the media, and the government. But what's interesting about it is what you described there is definitely correct. Like you have individual choices being made by average healthcare workers that it may not be that they have some force being like, you know, make sure this happens this way that they just themselves are like, I don't want to be the one that says that, or I don't want to be perceived that way. But is that not the same thing in an abstract way? Right. Like, so essentially whether it is directly a government agent, you know, saying you can't say this, but they are still being pressured by the sentiment that is being pushed by the media, by the government. So it's almost like an interesting new form of a conspiratorial effort because they're still conspiring to hide this information and individuals are still seemingly taking the cues, maybe without even knowing that they're taking those cues. I don't know. It's It's, an interesting thought. What do you think about that? I I think that makes a lot of sense. I I would say it's... uh, maybe you could call it a cognitive conspiracy. You know what I mean? It's between, it's between the ears. uh, It's not necessarily spoken out loud where there's not people meeting in dark rooms, conspiring about, you know, doing things. It's, it's implicit, implicit in the nature of the way the system has been built. The policies are are set forth by the top and those policies are expected to be followed. If they're not followed, then they know that there are repercussions for that. And that's enough for most people to not open up their mouth and say something about it. And, right. you, you know, we are seeing every day more and more evidence of really horrors and atrocities that have happened over the last four or five years. Right. Um, but it just seems to me that where we need to go with this is is trying to understand the, the psychology around it more than anything, because right. we, we're what, three years in this still and we're still debating about masks and we're still debating about, about all these things that are really they should be behind us. There, there is no debate to be had about this. We need to be understanding what caused this. What's the psychology behind it? How do we break through to the people who bought into it and are still believing into it? Because me and you can sit here and talk about it all day long. Your audience is going to get it. You know, people right. who, who's in, who's follows me on Twitter, they understand. But unless we get to a, a critical mass of people who have been trained to see us as kind of like the enemy mm-hmm. th- based on our opinions – we're just going to be churning our gears forever. And that's, that's what I'm trying to focus on and understand this fifth generation warfare. Right. Uh, because I think that's, like I said, I think it's so important in, in, in there's a, there's a dark psychology around it. Mm-hmm. Well, and this, you touched on something very interesting that I, that I think about a lot and it seems, and you're, you're honed in on exactly the same point. I am at what seems like the most important thing right now is how in the hell do we reach that person? How do we get that mother out there that wears a mask and is four shots and that is convinced and doesn't even care what information we put in front of them? Like that kind mm-hmm. of person, because that's not logic, right? Like, mm-hmm. let's be you know, real about it. That person is scared. They're emotionally manipulated. That is a cult. Like that is a person who has been brainwashed, social engineering. So how do we, like, I I keep saying this and I've never gotten around to doing it. I want to invite somebody on the show that is like a, like the kind of person that you would send out to deal with a cult member and how you break them of that, whatever Mm -hmm. that is, that's, there's a science there, right? Like how do you, cause that person's not logical when they, you know, you have these examples of like documentaries of people that come out of these cults and they look back like 20 years later, like, I have no idea. I was completely lost. I don't know why I was doing that. It's like, how do you get them past that? I've actually looked into that particular piece of how people are being drawn out of cults. 
Mm-hmm. The only problem is, is that usually they're physically there with the cult. So you have to separate right. them from the cult. First of all, it's the first step to do it. But what we're dealing with these days is this. This is the cult. This is point. what's they're, they're attached to this. And it's the information that they're taking in cognitively that is brainwashing and, and, and basically creating a cult like mentality. So, you know, it, it's a real conundrum. I'm not real sure how you can you can break through because th- if you think about this, there are parents out there today. They are still defending these vaccines, even though it's killed their children. And that that completely is it, it is exactly it's crazy it blows my mind that they are not willing to take that step now there are some who are but but they're still not willing to accept that as a potential a potential thing that happened and are still encouraging people to go take these these injections you know what's worse is exactly that but the person who does know that like I, you're right and i've seen examples of of the other even further where people where they're coming out and going yes i maybe i don't think i've seen an example of a death in this regard but i've seen somebody that came out and said i you know I have myocarditis now and it was still the right choice mm-hmm. or, you know, I can't have used my legs for the rest of my life, but it was super, super rare. And I take that to help everybody else. Like that is ridiculous. It's mm-hmm. I mean, straight up ridiculous. And that is the very point we're making. Those people are lost. They think that this is like some greater good scenario and there's some war against COVID, you know, and th- this is, I think the first step, get away from the phone for a week. <laughs> I tell everybody out there, get away from the yes. cult. That's really fascinating though, because if the if you can't first of all you have to get them away from it which is the internet the the whole great reset direction but so what's the next part of that like so what do you do then once you have them disconnected from that information because i think this is where we fall into it right now is even though the phone is still playing a factor you were literally putting that information in front of them like the very thing it's like you could have a signed affidavit for every scientist in the world and they're still going to be like mm-hmm. nope i was told not to look at it like i don't know how to breach that line I wish I did too. I mean, you got to really put it in perspective that a lot of people have been conditioned throughout their entire lives to trust mm. the person on the screen more than their own family members. That's the thing that, that boggles my mind. And I've experienced it. I'm sure you've experienced it. You talk to your, when this was all going on in the heat of it, trying to talk to somebody about this was like, they would get so angry at you immediately. And I mm. couldn't get understand like, 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 look, I'm your friend. I am telling you this with your best interest in mind. I'm not trying to like uh, spout a conspiracy theory or, or trick you or something, but you are, tri- you're, you're believing somebody on television that you've never met in your entire life over somebody you've known your entire life. So, mm. you know, your guess is good. I have no idea how to really break through with that. It's, it's a big conundrum. I think, you know, I think more and more people are becoming aware. And that's one thing this pandemic has done is kind of broken the yeah. spell with, with a certain percentage of people. But here's my problem is like, they want to do it again. You know what I mean? I, in my opinion, th- this is more of a trial run mm-hmm. uh, because they're already coming out and saying the next pandemic, a pandemic is once every hundred years. Right. So why would they automatically be saying that, Hey, there's another one coming up and let's, They know something that we don't know. So the next step is whenever they call for lockdowns again, whether it be for climate or whatever new pathogen they say is out there, how are people going to react? That's why I Mm -hmm. think it's very important to try and get the information out and talk to everybody as much as you can, because there's going to be a time in the future where that that that's going to come and we're going to see how people react again to it. Uh, We need to get people to a point where they're going to say no when that happens. But at this point in time, I'm not particularly confident that they would. You know, it's funny. I actually have a more of a, a more of a, a hopeful 
perspective on that right now is that I, I definitely get that in the general conversation right now. But I believe like, for instance, I take the bivalent point that I think they've ever even gotten to like 15, 17% of eligible and that trickled down to like 0.1% over the weeks following it. And like, so it's just nobody is touching that now, despite mm -hmm. being told up at least now it's tapering down, but over the last six months been screamed at them. Like you need this. And even those people haven't gotten it. So it, I think that they're, I think you're right. They have woken up, they've shaken people out of it with their forceful efforts to get them into it, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, they're, I don't know. I, I could be overly hopeful, but I do feel like they've crossed that barrier, maybe for the first time. The weather, it could be 51%, but I kind of feel like a majority of people right now are very uncomfortable. They don't know why. Maybe they disagree politically. Left, right, doesn't matter. But they're like, I kind of don't trust what happens next. I don't trust the government. I don't trust the vaccines. Mm -hmm. Like They're now standing back and going, what about the flu vaccine? Like people yeah. that have never asked these questions before. So it, there, it's, it, I think it needs to be capitalized on most definitely. But, but I'm with you. I think that it's, it's a confusing situation to see how we can pull them out of this. But I definitely think somebody out there should be focusing on this, myself included, to find ways to break that spell essentially because it's all here. We have all the evidence we need right now to prove that this mm -hmm. is a criminal act. That it's not what they thought. You know, and, and speaking of that, let's go to the next next thread here. One of the most important that I think right now over almost anything happening on the planet is is mm -hmm. the, the real risks and information that we don't have around the COVID-19 injections. And you talk about the emergency use authorization part of this, which is really relevant to what's happening now. So go into this for me on what you found and, and what you think is the most you know prevalent points here. Well, I mean, really, I think the the. the the crux of it is that there has been a lot of research that's been done that shows that they're not safe and effective. Like they let, you know, right. that, that parrot talking point that they like to, to, to trot out with everything basically they want you to do. I mean, there are, there are multiple studies, dozens of studies, if not hundreds at this point that show that myocarditis is a high risk factor, especially in young men. Um, there's strokes, the, uh, you know, thrombocytopedia. There's so many different things that has come up with peer reviewed science um, and right. as you can see there with uh, the who saying the asymptomatic spread, <clears throat> you know, actually wasn't a thing. And then she had to come out and, and, and kind of backtrack on that because they put political pressure on her. But right. this this, this thread that. here is just basically breaking down the myth that, you know, they were safe and effective when when clearly they're not. Uh, another thing with another thread that I did was about VAERS because I was tired of bringing up VAERS to people and then automatically it was almost like they've been programmed oh you can't trust fares you know anybody can type something right. in there so we can't trust that signal so i was like you know i gotta i gotta look into this and make a thread that is going to show what VAERS actually is and what it's used for which most people don't really know and it's to, it's there for signal detection right, right. And, and if you go to that particular thread you'll see i, I posted a, a screenshot of the VAERS. uh the signal is overwhelming it, it, so mm -hmm. you can't say that I mean, it's it just, un look at that. I mean, what does it say? 33,000 33, deaths. deaths. Yeah, that's how many is reported. And most of them would say, oh, but anybody can put them in. But who's going to sit at home and, and put in a fake death on a mass scale like that? Well, for, see, for that's what, not, Why would they want to do that? Right. Well, it's a fair question to ask, but I would argue that's not even the route to go because, see, then you're falling into the trap they're creating for the conversation because the first thing you said is the only thing you need to say. It is a signal system. I often mm -hmm. point out Dr. Rain in 2007 or six, I forget the year right now in the guardian quoted her in regard to a previous situation where she was writing about the yellow card system. That's their, 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 as you know, their uh, signal system. 
And she said on the record, you don't even need to prove these. It's just the signal. That's what the system is designed for. So we, on its on its they just suddenly flip the whole thing on its ear and act like it doesn't matter anymore. But the most important part to me, they're even if they do think they they say, well, we haven't proven it. Okay, well then that doesn't mean they're fake. That means you don't know. And yet they go forward acting like because we say it's unverified, therefore we're just not even going to talk about it anymore. That's one of the most egregious parts of this whole thing. They know the, the system of the way. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, and to your point too, 33,000 deaths were, were, were inputted in the system. And, and a lot of people say that this is input by the families. That is not true. It's input right. by somebody who works in healthcare. Uh, it, it takes 30 to 45 minutes to do so. They have to have all the details about the person. Um, and if, if that happened 33,000 times, at the very least, they, they need to be investigating each one of right. these deaths to, to verify whether they are. And we know that they haven't been doing that. And they're doing it willfully for some reason. Um, one thing, I don't know if you followed um, a researcher, her name is Sasha Lat- Latipova. Mm-hmm. She speaks right. about uh, how, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure if it's the case or not, but it is very compelling about how BARDA and DOD have contracts. And, and this is going back clear to 2012 and that these have been rolled out kind of outside of the EUA system, really under their purview, which mm-hmm. makes you wonder that's maybe why they're ignoring these signals and things because they can't really do about anything about it in the first place. Right. No, that's an excellent point. Uh, excuse me. <clears throat> Taylor Hudak, who is one of my, one of the interviewers for T lab mm-hmm. is going to be interviewing her on Friday. Uh, so that's kind of oh, why great. I've been, been, I haven't dove into the story on the show. Cause I kind of wanted them to have the interview to come out and then we're going to talk about it, but I've referenced it and, and it's a very important point. Whitney Webb and I have talked about this. She's written articles about this back in 2020. You know, you know, this operation warp speed, mm-hmm. military operation, a DOD operation. And this is where it began. Now they, they off, they argue like this kind of like filtered away from that somehow, but it's not, this is a military operation yeah. from the beginning and it still is. So the interesting point in regard, the crux of what I argue is her kind of argument is that, that this was an illusion, right? That the FDA is kind of doing a theater there, which they know they're doing by her argument, pretending this is happening, which clearly shows they're involved complicity, but that would then argue that the, the actual documentation through the government, through the Department of Defense, was actually about some kind of a like this would mean it's a weapon, essentially, right? It's, mm-hmm. It is a dual purpose entity, which, in, which it, it just, I actually think that what she's saying is completely correct. And that really it's about what the, whether the FDA or the CDC are at all ways, all levels fully aware of that. Cause I argue there's people in the FDA that may not even have. You know, they think they're going through the processes. And that's why you got the people like Paul Offit that come out and be like, what just happened? Like, mm-hmm. I can't believe they voted for that. Like, maybe he doesn't know. I don't know. But yeah, my opinion would be that that is exactly the point. And that this was more about a defense operation. And that's why this is being played out that way. Once the HHS secretary, um, I forget his name now. It's, it's escaping me at the time. Once Cadillac. he declared, uh, was it Robert Cadillac at the time who declared the, the public health emergency? Oh, in Once the very he, beginning? Yeah, I believe so. I have to, I've been, don't, yeah, I have to look back to make sure. I don't want to mis- misstate anybody. Yeah, I, I think it might be somebody else. It's actually the guy, it's coming to me, that um, that didn't investigate Epstein. Uh, he became the HSA. Oh, God, oh, no, God it it's escaping. Not a, maybe is that I right? Not, no, I don't think Acosta. Well, I'd, pr- I, I'd be willing to argue, I would 
I'd say 90%. I think it's Cadillac. Now he, he was okay. definitely in that position. He's, he's assistant secretary for preparedness and response, but I don't know. I believe that was the one, but I don't, I feel like it could have a lot happened in these administrations early on mm-hmm. and through that process. But anyway, but once, go ahead. What was the point? once, once that is declared, right. Mm-hmm. Once the public health emergency is declared, it is, is it viewed as a national security threat, right? right? So that's that's a key piece to this as far as the perception of the DOD and the government for this moving forward at that point. So the, the idea of the theater, the L being kind of theater, just because they had to have that as an overlay in order for to get public acceptance. I mean, it sounds kind of crazy, you know, when you when you on its face. But whenever you look into these, the the, the legal behind it, with um, I think Catherine Watts is the one who's writing about it as well, um, in concert with Sasha Latapova. They're kind of working mm-hmm. together with this. Once you look into that legal part of it, and and what certain things trigger, it starts to make a lot of sense. But yeah. if we can't get people to believe that these things are a, a problem just on their face. Imagine how difficult it's going to get to believe that, that this is something that the DOD would actually do. You know what I mean? It's very yeah. – they, they know this too. It's a very hard threshold to get past in, in the public mind. Absolutely. I mean, there's, this is one of the reasons why I kind of like, you know, like a triage way with my work, I try to focus on like the most pressing, provable things. Like I was mm-hmm. I, I was on Jason Berman's show this morning and I was talking about the Chinese balloon. It, it's an interesting topic. I'm just kind of like, my point was still like, I mean, it's, we have, we can prove that these things are killing people and we're having this completely subjective conversation on the corporate media about the balloon and what could happen and what they might do. And I'm going like, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I'm interested in it, but really like people should be in prison right now. You know, like, oh, yeah. We're still yeah, exactly. past the conversation. It's crazy. I mean, you just, you saw today, I'm sure the, uh, the, the sub stack about the, um, the, the Nord stream that just, just yeah. they basically right. said that, that we, we did it basically the United States did it. And, uh, Seymour Hirsch, right. <laughs> yeah. Seymour Hirsch did it. Um, and he said that he has sources. I mean, I, I mean, it's pretty obvious that Russians didn't do it. Why would they do that to their own, pipeline right um but that in itself is is very troubling that it's now public and what what could happen from that that's that's perceived as an act of war no doubt you know what i mean yeah and and, you know the russians and and they they probably knew that that this was uh done by the west but now that it's out in the open that worries me because who knows how they're going to react and and what that could a series of events that can lead to to essentially all-out war yeah, I, I mean, I would argue, and this is just my opinion, because I don't know how we, we could know for sure, that that I, I'm willing to bet Russia's well aware of that. Mm-hmm. No question. The U.S. did this. They know that. I mean, possibly even open on the table behind the scenes. You know what I mean? Like, right. I don't know, but I do know that there's that being put out in the in the discussion. I think, in my opinion, at best, is just going to be a political tool for Russia. They could argue mm-hmm. that now it's known. But I argue that it was very clear. Like, they Russia came out and said it. That we know this happened. They know this was. I mean, I don't think this is the kind of thing with like the Twitter files game. It's like we all. I I even feel like you could argue it was proven really early that this was something that was committed at the very least yeah. by the West and not Russia. But what the U.S. government doing this? They were on the record like three different times arguing. Like saying Biden stated, if they don't do this, then we'll take care of it. Like we'll do something about. It's like it's just so transparent. You and know? Victoria so, Newland said that as well. I mean, exactly. in a press conference. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it, it is obvious. And it's it's basically getting back to what we're saying too. Like all these things that we're talking about, a normal person sees it and it's obvious to them. It's like mm-hmm. the, the gaslighting that has occurred in the 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 mind control, it just shows you the power of, of media 
in in a, a concerted effort of of propaganda propagandizing the public on a worldwide scale that we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, it it really is hard to wrap your head around what we saw. I mean, just think we're, we're deluged with information over the last three years so much that we forget about key things that's occurred. I mean, how I've told, I've talked to my wife about this, like just blows my mind. How is it possible that the entire world, all these world leaders all agreed at the same time to shut down at the same, you know, at the same time that itself is like, how does that even happen with all the competing interests with the industry and the money on the table for that? And all the, you know, all that, how, who has the power in order to talk all these people into doing that and agreeing to go along with it? I mean, that, yeah. that is, you know, that's kind of chilling to think about. It is my opinion. And I don't, I would argue it's not a president or one government. I mean, th- this is high level, very influential, the, the kind of people that we don't really talk about, you know, right. like, and I'm not even really even saying like the Rothschild Rockefeller level. Like I, I'm willing to bet because my point is that's one of the most obvious examples of how, you know, they'll write articles about like the top 20 wealthiest people and they'd never li- include them. Like, can you, mm. can you be a little more transparent? Like it's so, why wouldn't you? They're obviously in that level. So the point is they know they're kind of not supposed to point at that group and it's very transparent today. So that's clearly part of it, but I think that's bigger than that. But anyway, the point is that, yes, I think it's it's a grand thing. And what we saw, we've got like event 201 scenarios. We can see yeah. that there's coordination. So they've almost like normalized, surfaced, surfaced the conspiracy, you know, mm-hmm. and, but they just act, we're doing it for your benefit. We're doing it for you. But you're right, though. I, I've said this. We've talked about the lockstep version of that larger document in the past. You know, that it, it's clear that this is a conspiracy. Like, but you could argue that's not nefarious. I think that's impossible to see today to argue, but they got together. They discussed what they would do when this would happen. That's a conspiracy. I mean, I always remind people conspiracy is a legal term. I mean, you yeah. can't, the, you were, the, the, the word is used in a Christmas song. So it's not always, you know, conspire around the fire. It's, it's, it's not always a bad thing in the mind of the average person. Yes. So when they get together and decide what they'll do when a pandemic happens, that's a version of a conspiracy. So well, I'm one thing argue, I'll mention with, with well, the well, pandemic well, thing. Well, 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 okay, good. What I'm willing to argue is that, is that these people can get together and discuss what they would do in the event of X, Y, and Z, but the leaders maybe may not realize that they're involved in what's really going on behind all of that. You know, so mm-hmm. it's, it is a conspiracy, but I guarantee that there are string pullers in the more centralized part of it that know like the real problems, you know, or actions. Mainly in, in the uh, defense part of things, I think, because uh, with mm-hmm. event 201, if you watch that, it's, it's amazing to see that they talk about everything except for protecting the rights of the people during a pandemic. Right. right. You know, it's, it's all about, Hey, how can we stop information, misinformation from spreading? You know, it, it's, it's all about protecting their own interests, which I think is a, extremely telling. If you really think about it, why would they plan a pandemic and not worry about the, the, the constitutional protections of people? Everything just goes out the window then. Like, and right. that's basically what happened. That's the the constitution, <laughs> the constitution was suspended and it right. currently still is, you know what I mean? And, and if we're still in emergency, why do we need the plan to, to end the emergency? Like didn't Biden just say it's going to be ending in three months or something like that? Like, yeah. so is it technically an emergency still? Like, well, that's exactly the point. And here's the interesting part about this to bring it back to the DOD overlap is that so technically speaking, and I still and I've read the documents. I just don't like logically make sense of why other than this kind of like shell game that seems to be played why they would need more than one. Essentially, there's two of these. The, D, the HHS, there's a national emergency. And then there's the emergency that's declared for them to be able to execute, you know, like 
vaccination EUAs and, and PCR EUAs, and apparently they're different. But what's interesting to me is that they have the one that they, they reinitiate, reinitiate every 90 days. That's the ones posted and they keep talking. But then apparently the one that they're not going to be ending. So the one Biden said is going to be ending is not the one. I mean, it, it, it's going to be confusing if I just rattle it off. But I did a show about it the other day and there are the two separate ones. And the bottom line is they conflate when they talk about them in their own documentation. And the one that they claim that they're ending seems to be the one that is connected to this. The bottom line is that, to your point, if the emergency is ending, how can you then, even if it's just uh, just terminology, argue that there's emergency authorization for something like that? Like in, in the bottom line on top of that is the New York Times argued that both of them were going to taper off in the next couple of months anyway. So mm-hmm. they just argued in a public setting that the FDA, emer- the emergency use authorizations never end. Literally speak like, so then what's the point of approval then? Like they're moving the game right now. Like they are completely redefining this stuff in real time. And so essentially now they never need to do anything else. They can emergency authorize things forever. And that means behind the scenes, they don't need to prove that they're safe. Not really. That's the actual Mm -hmm. definition, you know? So this is the interesting part about this is I definitely think that this is a coordinated effort. You know, the Mm -hmm. EUA game, you mentioned it with the vaccination itself. Like these wouldn't be here without that argument of an emergency, which then justified the authorizations for them. And now they're tapering that down, but the system is going to continue. So now it makes sense too. Yeah. With with the Pfizer trials, they're terrible. If you read through the documents that they were forced to release that they tried to hide for 75 years, and the FDA went and spoke on behalf of Pfizer in front of mm-hmm. a judge, arguing that they should be kept you know, hidden for 75 years so that anybody who was involved would be dead by then, and, and no one would be culpable. How do you not so, look at that and and obviously see that as a criminal act? To, you know, that's crazy. That's that's for To me, that's a smoking gun. I mean, right. to... To, to, how can how can they argue that we're we're financing these things? Right. You know what I mean. We're, we finance all this, and they want to hide the data uh, to a time when everybody who's involved is dead. Similar to like the JFK assassination, right? Right. Like right. and the and the trials were junk, and you could tell that they weren't even looking for any uh, serious adverse events or wasn't concerned about them in the least. Right. Uh, well, you can you can tell by the reevaluation of of the of the of the, of the clinical trials. Remember the, the new the, somebody came out with the reevaluation of the data, and it ended up showing something like one in eight hundred serious adverse events. That was a peer reviewed, high level study. I think it was on. I mean, I don't know something one of the higher level ones like Nature or Science.org, and nobody talked about that. In the, the post marketing, twelve hundred people died. In the post marketing right. surveillance report, twelve hundred people died, and they'd only and, and there was a thread that I actually put up that it was about Pfizer's missing pace, patients within the mm-hmm. post marketing report. There's there's something like twenty thousand people or something that they don't even uh, include in the data, and they don't even follow up on them. We don't even know what happened to them if they right. had you know different adverse effects or died. That completely you know even though the data is horrible as it is, it completely throws off. It's on. You can't trust it, basically. Absolutely. So, well, I, I argue one of the largest parts of that is the whole 14 days before the first injection, right? They, mm-hmm. they, they basically say this in some of their documentation early. They don't. They kind of keep it real close, close to the chest now for obvious reasons. But that anybody that dies within the first 14 days of that shot, they they kick them out of the trial. It's considered unvaccinated. I mean, it's just mind blowing, and that's part of it. In Scotland, it's actually the first 21 days. That's insane. And then also that factors into like. Uh, in the public, 
at large, how they were, you know, associating full vaccination or what, you know, it has to be, if you got your first shot and you went to the hospital presenting with problems within the first 14 days and you go to the hospital and they check you in and you die, you're a COVID death. You're not, you're not associated with the vaccine at all. So how many people did that occur? Because we know just from the, the, the information as far as the, the adverse events that within the first couple of weeks is when a lot of these people are dying right. and a lot of serious adverse events are occurring. So you, none of the data is trustable. Yeah. Even, even further to that, if you go into the hospital with three shots in your body and then get a fourth <laughs> shot and then die within third, like that still goes down as COVID. If you just have a PCR test somewhere in that mix that says you have a COVID test, like the, this is such an obvious game, you know, and, and bringing it back to the emergency use authorization part of it is that it seems like they're just setting this up to be used to translate to the new generation ones. Right. So they, now mm-hmm. they have the bivalent that is, originally designed for BA1 that they then mm-hmm. abstract over, you know, bring over to the BA4 and 5 with no human trials, as you know, but then they're now they're moving XBB, then it's XB15, now it's CH11. It's like, okay, p- people just get tired of it. It's like, well, we're just going to use this one forever, apparently, or just keep changing it. We're not even going to tell you anymore. But they said that was going to happen, you know? And, and the thing that really angers me, to be honest, is the recommendation, and I did a thread on this too, of injecting pregnant women with no mm-hmm. data to support that you have right. all these associations coming out on their website saying, go ahead and do it. There's no problem. It stays in the muscle. You know, the, the, the uh, lipid nanoparticle stays in the muscle. We know it doesn't. It goes right. all over the organs. It crosses the placental barrier. It, 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 it's mind boggling that they can get away with recommending something that's never been tested. And they're actually proactively saying hey pregnant to put a novel technology into their body and on top of that they've recommended it for the childhood schedule now right in there and they didn't even use uh good methods of doing it they used something called immunobridging as far as uh, how they determine what the efficacy was going to be they compared it to all other data and they basically what they called immunobridging they oh this this data provided antibodies so we can assume in a child's body, which is different than an adult body, that they're going to have the same level of antibodies and we can just call it safe and we can add it to the, the childhood schedule. Kills me. So they're guessing, right? I don't care if you call it an educated guess or not. They're guessing. And it's the same thing we were just saying is they're, you know, so they're going from the, 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 they even said on the record early in this, when they were talking about the platform, they don't need new safety testing. They just make a new mm-hmm. genetic code. They pump it in. And this is what they always plan to do. You can see that from the beginning of Moderna's platform. That's how it actually started. You know, they never even needed the isolation of this if it ever even did, you know, and it's, it's just so obvious. And this is why I actually wanted to get more into some of your threads. Unfortunately, where I'm short on time today, I was really enjoying talking with you, though. I feel like I'd like we should do this again. I think sure. your, your work is, is clearly important and it's, it's definitely catching attention and, and people are finding, you know, I throng word, I guess, but some comfort in it, you know, that they're like, oh, thank God somebody is putting this stuff together that I can understand. And, you know, it's, it's that's, I think the key is like, I'm not a scientist, you know, I'm just a, a guy, you know, who's concerned and I put it in terms that are just lay terms basically and lay mm-hmm. it out for them. And I don't, I don't use fancy language or, 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 or you know, try to mislead. I provide my sources from you is actually who I've learned to do that because with, with everything that you say, you put all your links in there that way. Hey, if you want to verify it, you can go and verify it. So all my threads have links to every, every claim that I made. Mm-hmm. Oh, did I lose you? Thing with a lot of, you know, no, I'm here. Oh, there we go. It cut out there for a minute. I lost what you said there in the end. Oh, that's okay. 
But uh, yeah, I was going to say, I just think that's a lot that's missing with, with, with a lot of research is the ability to go and find the links and, and, right. and f- follow up to confirm it for yourself. Hundred percent, man. I mean, I, I, what's cra- if if you hadn't just provided source material, this we probably wouldn't be talking. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's how I feel about it. You know, it's like the reason I think it's so important is primarily because of that. Because you mm-hmm. give people the tools to be able to confirm it for themselves, to research it for themselves. Anybody not doing that is either unaware that's very important, and I the shit even. My opinion is people that don't put the source material are people that are more interested in promoting themselves than the material. And I, you know that's just my opinion, but I think it's problematic and it's detrimental to the truth at the very least. So I, I really value your work, man, and I'm really glad you're doing it. I appreciate thank it. For, thank you for taking the time today to talk. I, we should connect again. I was in, I was enjoying just a the riff conversation, which is tend to be my interviews anyway we just get into a conversation and it becomes organic and real and and if you're nothing if not organic and real josh so thank you for being here today i appreciate that thanks for having me yeah anything else you want to leave us with on the way out upcoming things social media links anything like that uh no i like i said i'm just working on a piece right now and i'm not sure what's going to come out um, on fifth generation warfare i encourage anybody out there to look into this i think it is a topic that definitely needs to be within the consciousness of the masses because the whole point of fifth generation warfare is to wage war without people knowing they're actually engaged in a war and i think that's kind of distills what we've been experiencing over the last three four years it's it's a war and we don't even most people don't even know that they're engaged in it or, or being victimized by it yeah, yeah, exactly. Perfect way to end on that. And as Whitney Webb famously coined, you know, the, the, your body is the new battlefield. And sure enough, that's, that's where we are. 2020, she yep. said that, you know, very prescient, that woman. But uh, thank you for being here. And as always, everybody out there, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Mm-hmm.